Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this February update. Man, I uh, just wanna change things up this month. What I wanna do is share a interview that we created for our Knights of Vision last year, this time last year. And it's basically just a, a one-on-one conversation with some Ethnos 360 missionaries that we get into what it's like to raise a family on the mission field and what's it like to see your kids transition from the mission field to the US. And uh, one of the challenges we have in this ministry is really sharing that type of detail with you of what our families walk through. So this gives you kind of that inside view of what it's like and, and what our ministry is about. So if it's gonna be a longer video this month, but I think it'll be worth it. I think you'll enjoy seeing the visuals and seeing what this ministry is about. So if you just give us that 15, it's actually 17 minutes, just enjoy. And uh, man, we are so grateful that you're with us, behind us, and for helping families like this. Love you guys. We'll see you next month. Hey, everyone. I've got the Markleys here who are good friends of mine who serve with Ethnos 360 over in Papua New Guinea. They served as church planters in the Denungit tribe with their family, with their kids, with themselves. And so I just wanted to introduce you guys. Thanks for coming on and sharing. Yeah, our pleasure. We're so happy to be with you guys. So can you guys just start with a little like a brief history of your journey to Papua New Guinea? What did that look like? Uh, yeah, uh, we moved to New Guinea in 2002 and uh, we had a two-year-old and a nine-month-old. And uh, so we moved over when they were really young. Uh, we moved into the Denungit tribe um, in 2003, actually, and learned their uh, Denungit people's uh, language and culture. It's very remote location. Uh, the only way in and out is by airplane. And um, so, yeah, we moved in there, built our houses, learned their language. And in 2007, we a literacy program where we actually had to develop an alphabet for them first because their language had never been written down. And so we developed an alphabet for them and then taught them how to read and write in their own language. And then in 2008, we were able to present the gospel to them in their own language. And uh, that, was, that was unreal to see God work in their lives and many, many people in that village got saved. And it was, it was just a, an amazing time to be there. And then been working there since then, uh, working with the church. It was baby church. And then um, we've been discipling, uh, translating the New Testament into their language and that's actually what I'm doing now still is working on translation and Lord willing another few more years and we'll be able to hand it over to the church and uh, let them uh, continue to teach uh, from God's word. So right now the church is doing well. They're, they're functioning. Uh, they have pastors and they're, they're doing the work themselves. And it's, it's been a real privilege to be able to see that. So, so I'll just add that our kids have grown up there. That mm -hmm. was their ground, their school ground, their home stomping ground, basically. Raised three kids in the bush, and um, our co-workers also had children. So by the time it was all said and done, there were 10 MKs on our team living in this remote tribal village with access to cities, towns, roads. But they had each other, and they had our Denungit children as well, and uh, they loved it. Any one of our kids will tell you that that village is their home. Mm -hmm. So it's been the three families, the three missionary families living among the Denangit people since 2003. Wow. Uh, so all of us, all of our children pretty much grew up there, except for our home assignment times, which we took every four years. 
So I want to ask, what was it like parenting in that dynamic, in that situation? In some ways, I think it was simpler. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't have a lot of the outside voices of the world pouring into our kids. Uh, They didn't have the exposure to a lot of, I don't know, to a lot of negativity. Some might call it sheltered. It was definitely isolated, but I, I really believe that it was a very positive way for them to grow up. So we didn't have the modern access to things that uh, most American children would have. So no malls, no cars, um, matchbox cars that they brought into the village. They didn't, we didn't even have internet for a long time, Mm -hmm. but, and did they play those, they owned those mountains, those trails, they hiked all over the place. They built dams in our tiny little river. They climbed every single tree. They named every single tree. (laughs) Build forts in it. They were stretched to user imaginations. In that way, it was really, really good, I feel like. On the hill right behind us, if it was raining out, what one of their favorite games was to take a huge banana leaf. I don't know if you've, you've ever seen these. Banana leaves probably three, four feet long. Yeah, sometimes longer. Um, and maybe a foot and a half wide. They would hop on these like it was a sled. Mm-hmm. And go down slide the, down the muddy slide hills. down the muddy hills oh. when it was. I mean, this is you know the village kids got into this, and they mm-hmm. it was so much fun, and they just loved it. So, mm-hmm. and we weren't driving from one place to the next to the next. We didn't have to worry about soccer practice or study groups or things like that. So they just kind of had the run of the place. The dads would do PE for them often. Um, So they got to play some football and do some sports out there. And that was what was fun also about having such a solid team in there is there were always enough to play some sort of sport. So one year we even took um, pictures and put it together like it was a regular school yearbook with um, the blue background and everything. And (laughs) (laughs) we still did um, end of school year celebrations Mm -hmm. and they'd get their certificates of completion Mm -hmm. and pizza parties and rewards and things like that. We did reading festival. Like we tried to make it what we kind of know as normal for them. They also had two different types of relationships with kids at that point. They had their relationships to each other, the other MKs on our team. And then they had relationships with the Denangit children. And those relationships were very different. I would say they learned and grew a lot from both of those relationships with the Denangit children, there was a big, obviously, a uh, big language and culture barrier. Mm. Difficult to overcome. And so I think their friendships with the Denangit children only reached a certain level. Um, but there was a great camaraderie there, a great affection. Um, on the one hand, on the other hand, they often felt um, stared at, misunderstood, sometimes very uncomfortable but it was normal. They kind of got used to it as well. Um, it was just a part of life for them. And then you had their relationships with the other MKs. So now we're talking about kind of same culture, same language. They were with them all the time. So they really were more like siblings than friends. And everything that means, which means that they were great friends and they fought like cats and dogs sometimes. Um, but unlike a normal Western context where if you don't get along with somebody, you just find somebody else to play with, they didn't have that option. They had each other. So on the positive spectrum of that, 
And you really have to learn what it meant to work through conflict, to learn how to forgive and to humble yourself and ask forgiveness, and how to love each other and um, are still pretty tight to this day, all of them. And we're so, so grateful for that. There is anybody probably on this planet who will understand them like they understand each other. Nobody else will understand when they're talking about where they grew up um, besides those 10 kids. We kept them pretty close to our houses. So we had the rule that we always had to be visible to one of uh, one of the adults one on the team. Yeah. So we're just looking back, just super grateful, yeah. super blessed with um, the many things that God made, did to make it special for them growing up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they would have chosen anything different. I don't know that for sure, but I think that they have pretty awesome memories of yeah. growing up there in the bush. You, you'll have to ask them for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, I have spoken to your boys and have heard many of the same. So, so yeah. can I ask, uh, what were some of the challenges specifically to raising children in that environment? I would say some of the couple of challenges that come to mind is one would just be the security in, in one sense. I know April mentioned that we always needed to keep our eyes on them. Um, mm-hmm. Or they always needed to be playing within a, you know, for, you. With the, within at least one of us missionaries being able to, to see them at all times. So that was, that was one thing. Um, but then also, you know, we're in the middle of the, of the jungle and there's no road. So when there was a medical uh, issue, you know, if it's at night the, the plane can't get in, or if it's, if it's, you know, raining and there's clouds everywhere, the, the plane can't get in for that either. So, that was kind of a faith tester. It was definitely a faith tester. Yeah. You know, with our kids um, at the time, Judah, uh, he fell and broke his collarbone. And um, he was what, maybe two years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're in the middle of the bush and we're, we're thinking, how, what do we do? We can't just take him to the hospital mm-hmm. or, or to the doctor. And so, yeah, those, those types of things were, were definitely a challenge. So he was examined via shortwave radio. <laughs> yeah, we're on the radio talking to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and that was great that they were there and on call and available. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're super yeah. excited to have that team. Just, just knowing that when that plane takes off, you're, you're stuck. You know, you're out in the middle of nowhere. And so that was definitely a challenge. Also just being away from our extended family, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. our kids' grandparents, they would see them once every four years. Mm-hmm. That was a huge thing for both, you know, for both our, our parents and then also for our kids mm-hmm. to, you know, not to not be to able to, yeah, to not to be able to know them, not to do Christmas together and Thanksgiving together and those types of things. And that, that was a real challenge for our kids, for, for us as well, and definitely for our families. Um, and I would add, too, that at least one of our children would say that they really hard, had a hard time with kind of being on display all the time. Yeah. As soon as we walked outside the door, mm-hmm. all village eyes were on the missionaries and the missionary kids, and what mm-hmm. were they going to do, what were they going to say, and what were they going to play today, and mm-hmm. um, they were watched constantly. On the one hand, it was good for us. They, they could never get away with anything. <laughs> but my, one of mine were, was stressed out about that enough that often she would go inside and not want to come outside for a while and has 
I think since become very much a homebody, she just loves being inside. Mm-hmm. And I think that that probably has something to do with that as well. Leaving their friends in New Guinea and coming back to the States on home assignment, that was mm-hmm. really, really difficult for them. It was a huge challenge. And then mm-hmm. uh, for our boys, we found that about halfway through their time here in the States, they started to really enjoy it here and they made friends here. And then when it was time to go back, New Guinea. I mean, they were still very excited to go back to New Guinea, but now they had these friends over here as well. And knowing that they may not see them again, or it would be at least four more years before they saw them again. And um, so that, yeah. that constant transition back and forth and, you know, mm-hmm. where is home? And, um, and I, both of our boys have graduated now. And I mean, they, they still talk about New Guinea as though that's their home. They, they're here in this country in the States, but they're this isn't home to them. You know, they, um, they're, they're from New Guinea and, um, or they, they feel like they are and, and that's, that's home. And so that's been a huge challenge. I don't think that it's a bad thing necessarily to know that there were hard things along the way too. And in those hard times, learn that, wow, you can survive these things Mm -hmm. because God is enough Yeah. above and beyond any of your challenges and your difficulties. God is there. He Mm -hmm. really is there. And that's one of the major blessings, I think, of being MK is you really get to see God be God because your needs are so big. You can't deny them. You can't hide them. You got big needs. And um, God fills them. He meets them where they are. Well, you, you had mentioned that your, your boys graduated high school and came back to the U.S. What did that look like for them and how did that go? Um, our two, two of our kids, at least, went to the MK retreat in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I think... That was huge. You know, they honestly, they weren't looking forward to coming back to the States very much. Um, Not at all. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> it was it was hard. They weren't really looking forward to it. But I think going to the retreat, they both went um, maybe a month or two after we got back to the States. And right away, they found a community, a group of people who understands mm-hmm. them. And that's that's really rare to find in the country anywhere, really. Um, somebody who understands the uniqueness of being an MK. They're special. They're not more special than anybody else's. Um, but this is different. And there's not many people who understand what that's like to have gone through so many transitions, to have traveled so much and to not really know. You know, for an MK, one of the hardest questions is, where are you from? They don't even, that's a hard question to answer. And all of a sudden, they were surrounded by, you know, 20, 30 strangers um, who also came to this retreat who still who struggle with the same question. And knowing that they're not isolated in that, I, I feel like was huge for them. Yeah. It kind of gave them a leg up transitioning into the next phase of life for them. And um, they were able to be encouraged and challenged by speakers who get them as well mm-hmm. and understand their uniqueness. And we're super grateful that mm-hmm. they were able to come into that group of people. That's fantastic. Yeah, we we so love reentry programs and feel very passionate about because you're right. You know, the they're walking into such a new environment, and to have people that get it is just such a powerful uh, advantage. And people who can help process your story as you're walking into this new scenario. So yeah. Well, how can we be praying for you guys and your family now in the midst of where you're at? And and what are the things that we can be praying for? I would say probably uh, the biggest thing is still our kids as they transition. um, 
for our younger one who's in middle school, coming back to the States and going into a new school in middle school has been a, a bit of a challenge. So yeah, um, you know, that it, it, it's just difficult. And so just um, to, to be praying about um, God just working in that. And it's not something that we need to be uh, afraid of or um, try to avoid even because we know that God is going to use this in our lives to bring about good. And so um, our prayer would be that um, our kids would be open to the Lord using us in their life uh, to bring about the good that he wants to. So MK Care Ministry, um, save me a place someday. Whenever I retire, I want to come join you. Um, (laughs) Come on in. Um, God is using that ministry in a huge, huge way. And we just can't even tell you how grateful mm-hmm. we are for you guys. Yeah, I was just going to say it's been a huge thing in, in our kids' lives, um, mm-hmm. especially to be aware of what's coming. You know, so even mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're in New Guinea, you have come over and NK Care team have come over and kind of walked through some scenarios and just helped our kids to really know what's you know, what's coming and, and, um, or, or what they may struggle with so that they can take advantage of those opportunities too. And, and to know that, Hey, this isn't abnormal. You know, this is, this is very normal for them to be going through this, this weird, these weird emotions that they're feeling and, 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 uh, just to be aware of those things. And we're just so grateful that you guys have, have taken the time and the money and, and just, given your lives to, to help our kids. And uh, we're so, so grateful to be with you guys. So, well, it is an honor to be on the same team and be coworkers and working towards the same goal. And so uh, thanks for what you guys do, uh, being willing to sacrifice so much to do that. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank Thank you guys. We appreciate you too.